0: I just want to say thank you, Lou, as well, for worship. Um, I loved it. It was absolutely great. And um, thank you to everyone who shared um, stuff this morning. I kind of feel like I could not say anything. We still have some real great things that have been brought, um, and some that I felt really tied in with what I've got to share. And as Sam said, I'm preaching on um, praying for our neighbours, so I'm going (laughs) to begin. It's a bit different finding on Zoom. It's just like, where did I jump in? But I'm just going to jump in, so... Um, 22nd of March 2017, this date may ring a bell to you, may not. um, But if I said Westminster terror attacks, I think most of us, if not all of us, will have some memory of this. It may seem a strange place to start a preach, but bear with me. Uh, Then last year, we saw um, the sad death of George Floyd. Um, It saw a number of protests happen internationally, including one near Waterloo in June last year. This particular Black Lives Matter march was met with conflict from a group of counter-protesters looking to have their views heard and potentially cause an upset. And then finally, February 1993, an argument at a party ended up with a fatal shooting, seeing a 20-year-old, who was an only son, die. Um, Like I say, there were three quite um, hard-hitting things to begin with, but bear with me. Um, As we continue our month of prayer... Um, I'm looking at Praying for Neighbours, and where I like to start is Luke 10, 25 to 37. So if you have your Bible and want to turn, you turn there now. That was Luke 10, 25 to 37, and it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. As I read this, it may become clear where those three messages at the beginning were coming from, um, but if not, I'm going to get to that anyway. <clears throat> and behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love your Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbour as yourself. And he had said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, designed to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbour? Jesus replied, he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he stepped him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. And whatever you, you spend, I will pay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved the neighbour to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And she said to him, You go and do likewise. For a little background, Jesus speaking to Jewish people at this point, the priest, the Levite, and the man who fell um, in the parable were Jews. You may be aware, you may not, Jewish people and Samaritans didn't exactly get on. Some would even say they would be enemies. And this is Jesus' clever way of asking who are our neighbours. You see, in the parable, the priest and the Levite walk past one of their own, From fear of becoming unclean for touching blood or maybe a dead body, whereas in contrast, the Samaritan who saw not an enemy but a life that needed saving. Jesus asked, Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He then goes on to say, Go and do as he did. One of my points today is to show us when we see the term neighbor in the Bible, it doesn't just mean our physical neighbors or friends and family and loved ones, but everyone. And that includes some that may have wronged us, maybe enemies if we, if we do have them, or maybe someone in the public eye that we don't agree with. We're all called to pray for our leaders. I know in fact that we have different political standpoints within our church. So it's fair to say there'll be many views and opinions around Boris. Um, whatever they are, we should be praying for him. You may have heard the Serm- Sermon on the Good Samaritan before, And the points I'm making may not be new, but it doesn't mean they are not important. We need to keep returning to areas like this. It it is challenging. It can be a challenging thing to do to pray for some of our neighbours. But there's not one to be shied away from, not a challenge to be forgotten. And that's why we need to keep coming back to it. Sam so helpfully last week shared with us when preaching on praying to the nation, praying for the nation, sorry. About praying for our leaders. If you don't get a chance to listen yet, may I encourage you to go and have a listen um, to that? I believe it's on the podcasts and possibly on the website as well. Um, I get mine straight to podcasts, so I never have to go search for them. But um, (laughs) now back to my opening Uh, a terror attack, a Black Lives Matter march, and a fatal shooting. I hope to see you starting to see why I've chosen these three um, modern day stories. One of which, I must confess, I have used in a preach before, but it's such a story that stuck with me that I just felt it fits so well um, with what I've got to share. Starting with Westminster, straight after the attack um, in London, some paramedics were seen trying to help save the man who carried it out. This was met with... um, British citizen, citizens complain about why is our tax money being spent on saving this man? Some people saying you should just let him die. Um, I, he did pass, but that was um, how, how this, this action was met. Well, I found a really helpful comment made by a nurse in relation to the backlash. She said, as a nurse, I was taught my duty was not to judge, but to treat. Paramedics have a duty to save lives no matter what. The incident at the Black Lives Matter march I'm referring to saw a white protester who was there fall down and get injured. Patrick Hutchinson, a black individual, saw this man curled up in a ball on the floor. He and his friends surrounded him to protect him. Patrick then carried him to safety and then later speaking to the press, Patrick said, you have to see love for your fellow man. He said that his aim and hopes is to see race barriers broken and for people to see that we are all one people. He worried in that moment, before saving the injured party, that news stories would quite easily end up with white male dies during Black Black Lives Matter protests. He knew that this would be detrimental to his mission and hopes for our future. In saving this man's life, he was not only able to save a life, but in uh, but protect the integrity of his overall goal finally we come to the shooting in 1993 a part, at a party one young man after an argument murdered another fast forward now to 2010 the mother of the deceased and the act, the offender himself after serving his time now live next door to one another this story oh I'm sorry they have a uh it's not just a coincidence they have a mother, a mother and son relationship. This story is truly, for me, one of the greatest examples of God love that I know of. Mary Johnson, the mother, held hate in her heart for 12 years before she visited um, her son's killer in prison. And on that day, she forgave him. She, only, she said she only saw, in that point, some, a son that needed saving. Um, And now they both give talks about God's grace and mercy across schools, churches and hospitals. One woman's forgiveness, an incredible amount of love, saved a life. I picked these three stories because I think they reflect something we see in the Good Samaritan and also good analogies of how we are to act as Christians and to our neighbours. We have been commissioned to advance the kingdom of God a mission to see others saved and we are called to love our neighbor no matter who what where or why by telling the parable the way he does jesus is teaching us there will be people in our lives that or that will cross our paths that we won't necessarily love or don't necessarily love That is, that as christians it is up to us to love them regardless a few years ago back when preaching um, our very own Mike Taylor very helpfully put across that love is not just a feeling, but actually an action. I don't think Jesus is saying you have to feel love towards everyone you meet, but we do need to act out of love for them. I also think the more you act out of love for someone, the more you will come to love them. At the church, we're currently in this month of prayer. And I think one of, if not the most loving, loving things you can do, to someone who's yet to know Jesus is to pray for their salvation. And this is what we're focusing on this week. I want to use the quote from the nurse I mentioned earlier. As a nurse, I was taught my duty is to judge, not, sorry, not to judge, but to treat. i say that again. As a nurse, I was taught my duty was not to judge, but to treat. Using similar language, I want to take the sentiment and apply it to us as Christians. As Christians, it is not our duty to judge, but to pray. Last week, during the meeting, Steve Cross brought a really helpful encouragement that made it clear that God was speaking to us from multiple angles. I went on to say how amazing it is when one, um, when one, one person brings a message that is similar um, or ends up tying into the worship. It's not just a coincidence. For me, that is God hammering home a point that we really need to listen to. Well, it happened again. I'd already written most of my sermon and picked the verses that I was going to be speaking from. And um, well, last week, I picked the same one, too. Now, you could say we're, um, we're both preaching on prayer, so it's quite likely. But out of all the verses in the Bible, we picked the exact same one. Um, so listen up. It's one Timothy two, one to six. I'll give you a second. So I should list that for a second to get there. <laughs> First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Saviour, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Hopefully, we will never find ourselves in situations like the three people in my opening stories, but we will find ourselves crossing paths with all kinds of people. This includes friends, of course, family, um, and the list of people in our lives that are for us but we will come against people who are again um, sorry we'll come across people who are against us or maybe just the very mention of christianity shoot us down i worked for a guy um that was against all religion he thought anyone who had fallen for the lives of religion needed education he said things like this all the time Anytime he got mentioned, I went to church or something on social media mentioned God or any God for that matter. He had something to say. It was extremely difficult to engage him in a proper conversation around Jesus. In fact, I don't think I ever managed it. We got on as colleagues and there was rarely any problems, but I always felt put down about my faith. As I mentioned, I couldn't talk to him about Jesus. And it always ended very quickly and quite often with mockery what could i do for this man then pray at this time that's all i could do but it didn't mean i should give up as we know prayer is powerful and god listens sadly this is not one of those stories where i saw breakthrough or i've heard about him becoming a christian since but those types of stories are very real if we can do nothing else we can always pray we may never see the fruits of our prayers or the seed we have planted but encouraged but please be encouraged, they do happen. I did, however, see the fruits of one of the seeds I planted and prayers I made. I may have shared this before. It's obviously probably my, my greatest prayer triumph. You'll see why. <laughs> when Emma and myself first dated, she was not saved. In fact, when I told her I went to church, she was a bit shocked. And I don't think too happy is a better way to put it. Um, I said that, in fact, I'd like her to come along on Sundays and she could see what it's all about. Next thing I know, her shift had changed at work, and she now was working Sunday mornings. She has since admitted that was, uh, that was on purpose. <laughs> um, it was pretty tough. As I could tell, she wasn't for it, and it affected me. So I made the hard decision I had to end the relationship. However, the seed was planted. She moved to London, um, We went our separate ways, and she started nannying up there and au but we had lost contact. Move on about four or five months, and I'm working in London. And something prompted me to text her, completely out of the blue. I'm not sure what, um, but I did. Well, I probably can guess what, actually. But <laughs> I'm sure it was God. It turns out, anyway, that she was at home in Canterbury. Um, so we arranged to meet up. And then um, we went, went out to Blue Water um, shopping, and she turned to me on the way and told me she had been going to church. I was I was a bit shocked but she had where she had moved to she had been put over the road to another young lady who was a Christian um it's for me God applied those people near each other um it's just I was amazed by this and well that was 12 years ago this month and is saved and I believe a very valued member of our church I've seen the fruit this time as it was in God's plan for me to find her again when i texted her she was already going to church had i not texted her that wouldn't have changed god, god 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 already had his hands on her life happily that life was to be with me john piper after hearing uh, john Okenga preach once and only said the direction of his life was changed the two the two never met and akenga had no knowledge of how he had spoken to piper piper had this to say dr akenga never knew what his preaching did in my life and you can mark it down god will hide from you much of your fruit you will see enough to be assured of his blessing but sorry but not so much as to think you could live without it for god aims to exalt himself not the preacher in his affair of preaching now, he is talking about preaching here, but it applies to many aspects of our Christian walk, including prayer. When we pray for the lost, <laughs> our aim in prayer is not to exalt ourselves or see the fruits of our labour. It's purely out of love and to see that person saved. I know if everyone I prayed for and shared the gospel with have got saved, I would feel pretty puffed up. As Piper said about preaching, God hides much of our fruit of our prayers. So we don't start thinking we can live without the blessing of God or if anyone's any people's salvation is down to us. Jesus saves. That is it. We can't save. We have no way of getting someone into heaven. No amount of work we do can earn someone a place. What we can do is live as a witness, share the gospel and pray. How then can we pray for the lost? Firstly, as I mentioned, there were some great messages shared during worship. And thank you, Lou, for that helpful message you shared of during worship, not needing to strive. God is not expecting us to have perfect prayers. He just wants us to pray, to talk to him. That being said, though, Andy Moyle um, has some very helpful pointers, um, which he shared in the last video of the Take a Step initiative um, from Relational Mission. We went through Take a Step to the Church, and it was a fantastic series of videos helping us to grow in confidence and sharing the gospel. They're available, still available on the Relational Mission website. Um, I'd highly recommend going through them if you haven't, or again, if you want to. They're um, only short, three, five-minute videos, and they're really good steps of um, growing us in confidence. Uh, when he was talking about prayer for salvation, he gave us three points. Pray for an open heaven over the people you encounter and for open hearts. Then pray for an open mouth to courage to speak up. Open heaven, open hearts, open mouth. When praying the points above, we are praying into three areas. When we are praying for an open heaven, we are praying for God's bit work in people's lives, for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to be on them, not only them, but our nation, and for them and others to encounter God's love. We are then praying for the person that we're lifting up, um, that they have an open heart to receive the love and to receive the gospel. And finally, for ourselves, that we would have the courage to open our mouths. And when we get the opportunity to share the gospel or share some of God's love with that person. When we pray, it is God's spirit that works in people and it is God that saves. We pray for others' salvation as a love for them. And the above tips are they're not a formula. They're not something we can say that will work every time, but use them to grow in confidence when praying for your neighbours and be encouraged that God does listen. Paul says, first of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions and thanksgivings be made for all people. I was speaking to Gordon Watson recently from Hope Church in Sittingbourne. And one thing he says, when thinking of this topic, is how far can your heart stretch? Start by praying for your loved ones, your household, stretch your physical neighbours, start praying for your street as you walk down the road. Keep stretching your heart to pray for others. I thought this was really helpful, actually, because sometimes we can feel that we can only pray um, small prayers or for people close to us. But use that, build on that and grow that and stretch your heart further and further because believe me, you have got the capacity. So... As I come to finish, um, I urge you to keep praying for anyone and everyone. That doesn't mean you have to sit and pray for 7 billion people or even 10. What it does mean is no one, absolutely no one is not worth praying for. I know sometimes there may be people who, for one reason or another, you find it hard to pray for. or um, Or maybe you don't even think they deserve to be prayed for. Please hear me. They do. If you find it hard to pray for someone for one reason or another, start praying for yourself. Pray for strength and a way to deal with it. Pray for whatever it is that may be making this difficult. We thought um, it would be a good idea to have a response today um, to pray into what we've heard. So in a moment, uh, sound will be splitting us into break room, breakout rooms so we can pray into open heaven, open hearts and open mouths. Um, let's pray that the heavens are open to over those on our hearts and over Faversham, the, that the hearts are open to receive gospel, the gospel and that we would recognise opportunities to share the gospel and we, would only, and we would have open mouths and the courage to take these opportunities when they come our way. Finally, let me say, uh, say this. Like the three people I mentioned at the beginning, when you see someone, see a life, not just the person living it.